The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. Yeah, time now for Common Ground and Regina Doherty, the Fine Gael Senator, is with me, as is Mick Barry, the Socialist TD for Cork North Centre, a member of the Oireachtas Enterprise Trade and Employment uh, Committee. Uh, folks, happy Europe Day. Regina, how are you celebrating it? We had um, our European Commissioner, Maraid McGuinness, um, address us in the Shannon this afternoon um, and give us a detailed history of all of the things and the reasons why the European project was established um, by the Schuman Declaration and the reasons, obviously, peace is at the heart of it. But all of the synergies, all of the economic prosperity, all of the attempts at equality and redistribution of, you know, some very wealthy countries to some not so and to try and bring all of our boats kind of lifted a bit higher. And I think the example of Ireland is perfect. I don't think I've known any different. I've, we've been a member of the EU for as long as I've been in, alive. I was only a few months old when we joined. And so I've seen the changes. And when you look at maybe the, the Ireland of 1973, and maybe I talked to some of my kids today about the Ireland of 2023, they're so far apart. Like, it's just, it's an impressive, um, I suppose, benefit for us. And now that we are a wealthy country notwithstanding obviously that we have difficulties but now that we are a wealthy country we should be trying to do the same for other not so well off countries um, that we uh, achieved and enjoyed from 1973 onwards. Mick Parry, is it something we should be celebrating the progress of the European Union and where it is going? Well progress that's made uh, in the interests of ordinary people, working people uh, should be celebrated but there are certain myths about um, the relationship between that and membership of the European Union, which uh, I'm going to try and do a bit of myth-busting uh, on the show uh, today. First of all, uh, the point is made about uh, social change um, and liberalisation in Irish uh, society, uh, which is something that I welcome and I suspect most of your listeners do uh, as well. <clears throat> and uh, that is linked in the turn away from the kind of isolated insular Ireland, uh, De Valera's days uh, that Regina is talking about there, uh, pre-1958, uh, you know, pre-1973. Um, however, it is true that um, the gains that have been made, for example, in terms of marriage equality, in terms of uh, abortion rights and so on, have come from below, have come from struggles that were organised by ordinary people here in Ireland. Same-sex marriage is not in place in 13 European Union uh, countries. Uh, it's very much not in place in countries like Poland and Hungary, which have authoritarian right-wing governments that suppress social uh, uh, rights. Um, in fact, the Irish government, <laughs> ironically, uh, insisted uh, about 15 years ago that the European Union uh, could not implement uh, abortion rights in any European uh, country. So there's a myth that, that, that these progressive changes have come from above, uh, thanks to the European Union, but in large measure they've come from below, from uh, struggles and campaigns that okay. have been waged by ordinary uh, people here. And I think that's an important part of uh, the discussion. In terms of the economy, I would make some points, but I don't want to be um, you know, hogging the line here. So, all right. Well, we'll we'll we'll, we'll go back to Regina that uh, on that point. Do we give the EU some credit in these areas? It doesn't actually deserve. No. I, well, I don't think so. And it's notwithstanding that some of what Mick has said is true. So, obviously, there are countries that don't have the same social and liberal changes that we've seen and enjoyed over the years. But the motto of the European Union is united in diversity. So, if every single country in the European Union was exactly the same 
Jesus, you know, well, I'm not sure that that's something that we'd um, encourage or want. What you do need to see in the European Union, though, is the upholding of the rule of law. And this goes back to the debate that we have consistently in the European Union about, you know, the 100% club, that everybody has to vote for exactly the same thing. Otherwise, just one country can veto. Now, on the one hand, we really, really respect that veto because there's things that the European Union want to do that absolutely Ireland will not uh, countenance and won't vote for. And if we do respect that, well, then we have to respect that there are other countries for other reasons um, don't want to do some of the liberal changes that we've seen and enjoyed over over the years. And how you do and encourage them and bring them along with you is by, to be honest with you, and I've sat around that table, the EPSCO Council for four years, is painstakingly slow negotiations to bring people with you, as opposed to having that negotiation where we allow you know, a majority of member states dictate to the rest of the member states because then it's not a union of, of diversity. It's it's a dictatorship from the larger uh, blocks and we know who they are to the smaller blocks. And that's not what it's about. It started off as a peace project and all of the benefits that ensued and the economy is one of them and all of the modernisation of all of the infrastructure that we've enjoyed. Like when I was growing up as a kid, I thought the EU built every road in Ireland because okay. everywhere you went there were signs that this was financed by the EEC, you know. So yeah. that's something that we've grown up with and enjoyed. But it's not to say that it's a dictatorship and that we can, you know, impose okay. everybody's beliefs oh, on every country. I want to go back to Mick. Mick, you were about to make a point about the economy. Yeah, I, I'd like to make a point about the, the so-called peace project, but I'll leave that for a moment. Um, yeah, so the, the idea that economic progress is linked to European Union uh, uh, membership, I would make uh, two points about that. Uh, first of all, uh, in the 30 years after the Second World War, the period of the so-called post-war boom, there were enormous gains made by working people uh, across Europe. No, none of these gains uh, were handed down by the capitalist elite uh, free gratis and for nothing. All of them were the result of struggles, campaigns, the election of radical governments, etc. Uh, in particular, in France, Germany and Belgium. Now, when Ireland joined the European Union in 1973, it was very much in the interests of uh, the capitalist establishment throughout Europe to have a certain equalization and a certain level playing pitch so that one country wouldn't have a competitive edge against the other. And working people in Ireland uh, did gain uh, a piggyback, if you like, uh, on uh, the gains that had been made there. But it wasn't so much that the European Union uh, you know, granted these things uh, these were things that had come about as a result of workers' struggles in other European countries. However, I would make the point mm. that particularly since the early 1990s, um, uh, when you had, you know, uh, Thatcherism, Reaganism, uh, and then those ideas being taken up uh, across Europe, the idea, and it was really to an extent only ever an idea, of a social Europe has been rolled back. And Europe has been more about privatization. Europe has been more about um, restricting uh, the ability of the state to invest. And more uh, about, for example, during the Great Recession, we saw the implementation from the European Union of austerity, uh, particularly on countries like uh, Greece uh, and uh, Ireland. And that's something that's written off out of the the official story, I'm not hearing that from Regina, I'm not hearing it from Mairead McGuinness or the government. That is something that is covered up in reality. 
in relation to uh, how the EU is uh, operating. Okay. Uh, so I, I tell you now, um, I think Mick lives in a parallel world to the world that the rest of us live in. First of all, I say some 87% of Irish people, and I know you did a poll today, so you might have different numbers for me. Some 87 p- people, percent of Irish people um, value uh, the membership of the EU and respect and appreciate, obviously, all of the dividends that we've seen from it. But the European Union does need to evolve to face new contemporary challenges. And just to to push back on something that Mick said, I don't think we've ever had a radical government in Ireland. And yet we've enjoyed all of the benefits that have been painstakingly negotiated by member states, not granted to any member state by the EU, but negotiated painstakingly for the betterment and the improvement of the people that we serve. We've major employment rights that we wouldn't have only for the negotiations that happened around an EBSCO council. We've made major parental leave, maternity and benefit, um, maternity and parental paternity benefit leaves that were negotiated um, as a solidarity uh, around the European Union and then transposed. There's major promises um, of reform change for the radical uh, issues that we have to face, such as our climate, uh, our digitalisation and the distribution of wealth. They still remain issues on uh, the European Union. We talked about crypto this morning and how you know cash is potentially going to be something of the past and the impact that's going to have people uh, and communities around uh, Europe far more than some of the more developed nations. It's not perfect but it absolutely has really contributed to a modern Ireland mm. in so, so many ways that what Mick talks about is, is that the radical movements from the ground up honestly haven't delivered. They may have attempted to, but they certainly did not deliver them. Mick? Well, I, I think people who would look at issues like uh, abortion and marriage equality would very much disagree with Regina's point about the role of the grassroots movements. But I, I just want to uh, maybe get my final comment in on the question of what the government describe as European common defence or European defence cooperation. Yeah. Uh, and I would say as moves in the direction of a European army and European militarisation and a real shredding of whatever the remnants were of uh, Irish, uh, what's called Irish neutrality. Um, I mean, we saw a government under Bertie Ahern make a major push to undermine that by uh, giving Shannon Airport free gratis and for nothing to the US military uh, during the uh, Iraq war. But the next big push is on now at the moment. And there's a series of conferences being organized uh, by uh, the government, by the state, uh, in the month of June to discuss Irish foreign policy. Now, we thought that this was going to be, or we were given to understand, that this was going to be a citizens' assembly. But the government are now organising an assembly without the citizens and it's a series of, uh, it seems to be, a series of uh, military experts uh, and um, uh, military spokespersons uh, who are going to be addressing those uh, uh, events. I see, for example, that they're going to be chaired by, I'm just looking at my notes here, Louise Richardson, uh, Dame Commander of the Most Excellent Order of the British Empire. Uh, a woman who supported uh, the idea of um, U.S. Uh, using violence and force to undermine governments in Cuba, Nicaragua, uh, uh, and uh, well, in Chile. You, you appreciate me now. I don't. I don't know her uh, political beliefs or whether she. Uh, okay. Well, I'll quote directly. I'll, I'll, I'll give a direct quote from material that she's written herself. Right. She said that the U.S. had very good reasons to object to the governments in Cuba, Nicaragua, and Chile. And they supported local groups who used whatever means were available to them to try and uh, uh, bring them down, if that's not a justification. 
I don't know what is. And yeah, I think look, that, 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 again, look, I, I don't want to get necessarily into a debate about uh, someone who's not here and somebody I don't know anything about. Though I appreciate okay, look, the point but, you're making okay, is, is more broadly. Okay, go on. Let me conclude on this point. Uh, why is it the case? I mean, I, I don't think that citizens' assemblies are perfect by any means, mm. but why is the government not opted for a citizen assembly to discuss neutrality and uh, 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 these issues? And why is it being chaired? Uh, why are the conferences being chaired by someone who's a dame of the British Empire? I think there's there's uh, questions to be asked yeah. about that. Regina, what's wrong with the Citizens' Assembly model? I don't think there... I actually, I think we talked about this a number of weeks ago. I think we're well respected across Europe for using that model and it gives us great recommendations and I'm not why sure not why here? we're not using it yet. But I, I, I'll give you one, my response, right, as a, a, a Euro... Uh, positive opposed a person. The European Union um, being the project that's united in diversity um, has that little magic thing called the veto that allows us to be diverse and allows us to object. And I can absolutely reassure Mick that no matter what conspiratorial theories that he comes up with, we are not removing um, Ireland's uh, position, long-standing position to being an independent um, arbitrator in any uh, shape or form. And I say that not just as a politician, as a mother of two young men in their 20s. There's not a chance on anybody's Nelly that you're getting your hands on my children to fight anybody's war. We're neutral for a reason. It's something that uh, it's something that really, really supports the Irish psyche and the 83% of people that support the European Union and support the European project. Nothing can happen without us ever having asking them that conversation. And we're nowhere, nowhere close to having a conversation about neutrality. I I suspect we will debate neutrality uh, more and more as the uh, summer wears on. But in the meantime, Mick, appreciate your time. Thanks a million for joining us. Mick Barry, Socialist TD for Cork North Central member of the Enterprise Trade and Employment Committee as well in the Oireachtas and Regina Doherty, Fine Gael, uh, Senator. The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan. Weekdays from four on News Talk.